Pell's having a wee chuckle to himself. And then once he composed himself, he actually says to us, guys, there's another goal in this for you. At least one more. They're not great at the back. Good going forward, but not great at the back. We can get at them. Welcome to another episode of Highland Football Weekly with me, Ian Auld. A bonus episode, a special episode, if you like, because it is coming up for the 8th of February 2021, which means it's the 21st anniversary of one of the, if not the biggest, Scottish Cup shock of all time. Of course, we're talking about the night that Callie Thistle went ballistic and Celtic were truly atrocious. Quite an incredible night and one that will always live in the memory of everyone associated with Cali Thistle that night. Fans, players, directors, even probably I dare say people associated with Celtic will always remember that night and of course the wider Scottish football and world football community as well because that headline the following day of course is one that will never ever be forgotten but it certainly put the club on the map but also made people sit up and take notice of this relatively new club six years old of course at the time causing well I always think it's one of the kind of biggest upsets uh, in, in Scottish football certainly and of course we all know the club has gone on an incredible rise even going on to win the trophy that they knocked Celtic out of that uh, competition that year, the Scottish Cup, which they won in 2015. Now, over the last year, Highland Football Weekly is a year old, and over the last year, I've spoken to many individuals who were involved that night, that famous night back in the year 2000 at Celtic Park. So, I've taken some snippets from those conversations with the likes of Barry Wilson, of course, a goal scorer that night, the captain, Mark McCulloch, Manager, of course, Steve Pelly-Patterson and more. I've taken some snippets from the conversations with those guys in the various different podcasts over the last year, compiled them to make a Super Cali at 21 Highland Football Weekly Special. And first up, we're going to hear from the goal scorer of the first goal, Barry Wilson, who has some incredible memories of that night. I probably remember after more than... And during rather than before, like the build up and that, I couldn't tell you where we stayed. Or, uh, in fact, we wouldn't have stayed because obviously it was a midweek game. We would have went down the day of. Aye. Because um, we'd went down the previous week when it, before it got cancelled. And now, at that time, it, it just the, the whole run up to the thing, I was playing up front as a striker. Pell had put me up top, and obviously it was 2000 in February, so it, was, it just came on the back after the Millennium goals. So obviously well, you scored either side. The, the last goal yeah. in Britain in nineteen ninety nine, the first goal in Britain in two thousand. So I was buzzing anyway, and I was on a run of eight nine goals and eight nine games. Just as a winger getting flung up top and going, just go and run a bit. You yeah. know, my touch was. I was playing with Dennis Wyness, who probably made my touch look absolutely horrific. And was Dennis was unbelievable. Dennis would do all the work, and everything was just coming off me. Now obviously Dennis ended up um, scoring a lot more goals than. Than I did, I think Dennis 100 and odd goals to my mm-hmm. 82 mm-hmm. or th- 83. But with a great partnership, 
and I played up front with Dennis that night at, at Parkhead and the work that he done was unbelievable yeah I can remember we were going out and, and Pell putting us out and, and saying oh, don't be don't be scared play your stuff you know we know what we're looking for into Dennis back through for Baz's pace stuff like that and, and generally it worked worked very well and then obviously I think it was about 15 minutes in short free kick Golly played up the line to Paul Sheeran I can still see it now probably watched it that many times and Peanut I just know when you know when Peanut's just going to go and deliver we had a kind of good relationship myself and Paul and I just made a near post run it's not something that I'm, I was renowned for but the first goal of Millennium was a header as well and then all of a sudden I started scoring headers yep. so I was putting myself into positions that I probably wouldn't have done before yep. and got a glance on it and and that's obviously flew into the, the far corner and it was just elation and then it was fill the breath you know fill the lungs up and then before the lungs are filled up it's 1-1 one, one. <laughs> you know they went up the park Burchill scored yep. and you think oh, we've we've uh, we've the beast here you know here we come but back in front 2-1 Bobby's header deflected by Moravchik which is Bobby's goal Bobby's goal Aye. as Bobby says in the film Bobby's goal for me all day long I would have been Taking it, no doubt it's going on target. Moravchik deflects in, and then half time was was quite vivid. Pell, I'm, I'm actually thinking Pell's having a wee chuckle to himself, and then once he composed himself, he actually says to us, "Guys, there's another goal in this for you. At least one more. They're not great at the back. Good going forward, but not great at the back. We can get at them." And then came out in the second half. Ian Wright's on for Vaduka. There was the bust up with him and, and Eric Black. Didn't pose the same threat really. Ian Wright was probably at the end of his, his career and then we get the third goal penalty I got brought down and you know I got, I got myself across I think it was Reggie Blinker and, and just felt him clip my heels a little bit he was a penalty kick and Paul was always going Pell was, uh, Peanut was on the penalties in them days 3-1 and then we hung on and we hung on and we hung on and we started playing some good stuff and just I mean the celebrations was I mean that was a Tuesday night I got home on the Thursday <laughs> Well, Aileen picked me up at about 2 o'clock Thursday morning from, I think it was Fox. It was the Tuesday night we'd stayed at Big Dunk's house, Big Dunk Shearer's house. So Wednesday we were out all day and then she picked me up at about 2 or 3 o'clock on Thursday morning. Uh, Pell gave us the next day off, isn't it? We were in no shape to play on the Saturday. I was going to say, when did you actually We, we lost 2-0 at St Mirren uh, and it was an absolute nap that we would lose. There was no way we could win. We'd over-celebrated a little aye, bit, but, aye. you know, out of that 11 boys, I think nine of them had played in the Highland League or something. It was something like that, you know. So, for me, that was the big achievement. If you looked at it on paper, Celtic against a mid-table at the time championship side, it shouldn't have been the the horrific result that it was. Oh, we, to, still to a degree, yes. you've just been promoted, haven't you? You've been promoted as the... Runners up, runners up in the mm. second. So you were, you were just getting mm. your feet yeah. in the, you know, in the championship. Yeah. The and I'm division. sure we were fifth or sixth at the time. So I mean, it wasn't like we were. Aye. But I think the fact that we came up from Divi- Division Three, Division Two into the Division One or the Championship, but it was the fact that we probably about eight or nine had played Highland League that had went to Parkhead and, and beat them. I think that made it, that made it more for, for me and for the, most of the boys. You know, looking back at the. The game itself, half time, you're two one up. A lot has made a lot of the folklore because n- n- the Celtic players haven't really spoke about yeah. what's actually gone on. I, I remember well years ago when I was at MFR, put together a documentary 
And I tried to contact every single Celtic player in that team. The only guy that got back to me was Jonathan Gould. And and he was actually quite good mm-hmm. about it. He said that he said that he has no fond memories, as you would imagine, about that day. He's actually he told me at the time he's got a newspaper cutting and it's in his in his bathroom. He remind he always reminds him right. of a shit yeah. moment in his career. Reggie Blinker told me that he had didn't want to be interviewed because he had no positive recollections and memories of that night bring back negative thoughts that he doesn't want to harness. Mm-hmm. So he was obviously scarred by that yeah. moment. But there was a lot going on in the dressing room. Well, apparently there was there was you know scuffles between the players and coaching staff. And yeah, whatever. Yeah. Are you aware of that? I think when we went out at half time and for the second half when we were going through the tunnel and, and we'd heard that there was a substitution and, and Viduka was going off that was all we knew we, we'd, at the time we went on we'd, we had no idea until after the game that uh, that was the reason mm-hmm. you know I'm sure Big Bobby will just say that he just thought he was in his pocket in the first half and had to you know they had to try and get someone else on but We'd no, we'd no clue. We'd no clue. And then you start hearing a few, a few rumours and stories and stuff like that, and uh, and the and the players' lounge afterwards and stuff like that. You know. But Did you hear uh, anything on the park? You know, like players maybe you know mm, niggle them each other or. Nah, not really. I, I, I can't remember sort of Ian Wright when he came on after things weren't really going his way. I thought, oh, he's a bit nippy. He's a little bit nippy, right. you know. You could see that in I'm a Celebrity. There was a wee bit. <laughs> eh, not I'm a Celebrity. Get me out of here. You could see there was just something. Oh, there's a wee. And that's not something that you saw a lot of the Ian Wright scoring goals for Arsenal, goals, scoring goals, yeah. scoring goals. And I thought, oh. And that's when we actually thought, oh, they're, We've got they're not that happy here, you know. I still think to this day, Jim Calder's performance was one of the best I've seen from a Cali goalkeeper. Yeah, I thought he was unbelievable. And, and I remember Bell had a decision to make whether it was Jim Calder or Les Fridge to play in goals. And he went with Jim, and uh, I mean, you know, Jim would come here and off his line, and that was probably the difference that Jim did a lot of sweep him up. You know, Les was more of a, a goal line goalkeeper, very good goal line goalkeeper, but Jim was more sort of active, shall we say? And, and I, I do, I think, it was one of the best performers I've seen from a from a Cali goalkeeper. It's funny you mentioned Jim because uh, I spoke to Jim years ago. About the celebrations afterwards, because he does that kind of oh horrible, he does that horrible, horrible jig, dance, you know? horrible dance. And, it, and it, he said, he said at the time, he says, I didn't know what to do. He says, I just, I just did the first thing that came to me. Yeah. And I suppose, and obviously, you went down there thinking, right, we, we've got a chance. You've always got a chance. Yeah. But when the final whistle goes, you know, you've you've just beaten Celtic in the yeah. Scottish Cup, probably one of the, well, the the biggest Scottish Cup upset. Of all time, uh, the Berwick Rangers, yeah, Rangers yeah, one obviously is there too. But in the kind of modern day, yeah, Cali Thistle beating Celtic is the is the one. Yeah, you've just beaten them. You know, it's shock as yeah. well a wee bit. You know that when that 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 shock kicks in, how do you celebrate? You yeah. know, and Jim's obviously the yeah. awkward moment. Yeah, you know, he's, he's awkward had, dance. You yeah, know, he's had that a little bit. Yeah, which I'm sure has haunted them for twenty yeah, years. Yeah, and that's funny because there's there's an instance. That I'm not particularly proud of as well. And when Paul scores the penalty, I think we're done over that time. We're all sort of celebrating, and I'm not celebrating with. I should be celebrating with Paul, and I'm on my own. And I didn't like that when I saw it. I thought, oh, that's not right. You should be over here because I've won the penalty, and that guy's just scored it. If you win it, if you win the penalty and he misses it, it doesn't count. And 
I've spoke to Paul since about it, and I was never, you know. So it's funny that I Jim's got that moment, but I'd one myself where I'm like, "Nah, you should be celebrating uh, with Paul there." Uh, I was just, I remember looking for my dad in the crowd, and then wasn't till afterwards I thought, oh, "Come on, you're better than that." You mentioned the celebrations. See, a lot of people in the central belt don't understand just how. Well, they do when they come up twice a season following their team and they moan about the A9. Mm. But when you've done it, I mean, you must have put the miles on between yeah. Leith, Livingston, Cali, yeah. you know, Elgin Latterly, Queen of the South as well. You've done that A9 journey professional. You, your mileage must be in well, the millions, you know? Well, all I know, the year I was at Queen of the South, I think I put 27,000 miles on my clock <laughs> in about eight months. So, you know, if you're doing that, Every every uh, every year or whatever, it's a, it's a lot of it's a lot of miles. Um, but yeah, but that A nine journey back up. But sometimes when you get a moment best, like that, it's the best. Aye. You know, on a bus, no nowhere else to go. And obviously back in the day, there wasn't as many. Uh, you know, mobile phones weren't as popular, and 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 boys spoke to each other Aye. and got crap with each other and had a beer and stuff. Like that. That's that's kind of dwindling away, and that's what we live for. You know that's what it was. As soon as you won, you go, oh yes, it was gonna be a good journey home tonight, because you needed it to keep you going. If you're doing that, as you said, twenty times a season, then it's uh, it, it can be hard going, you know. But and I thought that's what sort of bonded the team together. You know, most of the boys came back up the road. There was obviously three or four that were maybe from down there, but Aye. I thought that was. I, I thought Did everyone great. come back up? Oh yeah, Aye. yeah, everyone came back that up. That must that be night. carnage. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of. <laughs> remember, we stopped at Bridge of Allen and uh, went, into a, went into a pub there, and there was a supporters bus in there as well. And th- this pub on a Tuesday night, the landlord must have been, oh, you know, <laughs> there must have been a hundred people in this little pub, <laughs> absolute shoulder to shoulder. You know, he must have thought he's won the lottery that night. Very lucky to get some time round about May last year in the company of the legend that is Duncan Shearer. Of course, Duncan Shearer was Steve Patterson's assistant at Cali Thistle and when Pelly went on to have that spell at Aberdeen. However, Duncan Shearer was at the club at the time, but not part of the kind of first-team squad. He would take over assistant management duties after that game, but he had a watching brief that night. He was in the stands alongside John Doherty, but you didn't have to be in the thick of the action to marvel at what was going on on the field. Well, my, my memory of that obviously was, was, was obviously the first game um, because uh, Stevie had told me uh, um, before they played the first game that Alec was was leaving. He was taking the Elgin City job okay. and he'd be leaving after the, the Scottish Cup game. Uh, but as it happened... Um, that game was called off, uh, so Alex stayed on to the to the midweek game, and, and rightly so. You know, it was a it was a, it was a big moment, and uh, Alex uh, Alex was assistant manager, and first team coach, and uh, you know, I never I never came in until afterwards. I travelled with the team, and I sat and watched the game with John Doherty in the stand, and obviously we were in the change room enjoying and all the celebrations and that. And it was just. I, you know, the amount of times I've been a parkhead uh, and and not come away with a win with Aberdeen, <laughs> and I'm thinking here's a 
he's Jimmy Calder, <laughs> he's Jimmy Calder, uh, a labourer or a plumber, and you've got that boy there does that, and that one does that, and, that, and they're turning over Celtic. And myself and John were looking at each other, and we, I was, I've often listened to the reports of Barry and Jally and all them talking about it, and it's like they're waiting when the Celtic going to come at us, and they're waiting and waiting and waiting, and time's dragging on. And then Cali get another goal, and then there's 10 minutes to go, and there's 9 minutes to go, and there's 8 minutes to go. Eventually, John and I looked at each other and said, Celtic are not going to win. <laughs> they're not going to come back. You know, we're just sitting there waiting for them to come back, but they're not going to come back. They're, they're, they're down, they're on their arse. Um, and Cali ran out crazy winners in the end, you know. And it was, uh, and I remember afterwards, you know, we had the little celebrations when the players were afterwards. And, um, and I'd got to know Paul Lambert quite well as well. Mm-hmm. Paul came up to me and I says, what do you think of this? He says, that many Jesus is going to be repercussions for this. Mark my words. And I didn't really know what he meant until I sat in the bus and I thought, I wonder what he means by that. And then uh, next day the whole all hell broke loose and that was John Barnes. He was finished mm-hmm. after that, you know. One of the best quiz questions in Scottish football. Who was the captain that night? Super Cali went ballistic. It was, of course, Mark McCulloch who had the armband that night. And he describes that game as one of the biggest in his career. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I suppose to a certain extent, did put Inverness uh, Cali this on the map. The headline obviously did wonders as well. Um I think mind uh, we obviously were due to play the uh, the previous weekend, and obviously I got we had gone down the night before, and then we turned up the stadium already. I think all the supporters had been down, and we were standing in the middle of Parkhead, and lo and behold, there's some rattling coming from above, and you know one of the I think a bit of metal was flapping about loose in the wind, so it got called off, and then we go down on the uh, midweek, and yeah, it's uh, listen, it's really lucky to uh, have been in that side um, blessed I was surrounded with a lot of talented players um, but yeah a fantastic night for the, the club and everyone involved um, I think that, like for that as much for the players but obviously the supporters members of our family supporters and all that and they, all the, the staff they can all look back and if they were there that's always something that they can uh, remember with, uh, with fond memories of that certainly I spoke to a few guys that have been involved in that game uh, and from what I gather, I mean, I know the Celtic were Celtic were still you know, a massive club and they still had a very good team, but what I can, from what I can gather anyway that Steve gave you guys the belief to go out there, did you believe going into that, that game that you could, you could get a result and cause an upset? I suppose, honestly, probably not. Um, probably, I don't know if it was a fact that we were so relaxed maybe going out there well, we didn't have anything to lose everyone expected us to get beat so yes, as the game wore on um, obviously the, the the confidence grew obviously going ahead uh, the confidence grew and then as that grows and then the equaliser just thinking right okay right, we'll, we'll just see where we go from there but yeah like I say the, the ability we had in that team um, and we're talking about a lot of boys who played in the Highland League at that time. I don't probably only been full time for a, a few seasons. Um, it just shows how how good the players they were playing at, uh, 
uh, at what level we were playing at. Because we were playing against internationals. Uh, before I spent most of the night just trying to run after the boy Berkovic <laughs> and not getting particularly not getting particularly close to him. But yeah, we had uh, at the end of the day we had the talented of like so you had Bobby Mann at the back, uh, Richard Hastings, Ross Tokley, uh, Charlie Christon in the middle part, Paul Sheeran, Dennis Wynas, uh, obviously Barry. Um, listen, we just we just played really well that night, and so obviously Celtic didn't, didn't they had the off night, but at the end of the day we still had to mm-hmm. to do. We still had to score the goals, and um, they certainly didn't give them to us um, from that point of view. And, and obviously, Jim Calder and goals um, had a fantastic night. And, and Jim, Jimmy was always a, a really good keeper. Um, I just uh, imagine how good he would have been if he had a, you know, had been full time all his career. But uh, he was he was superb that night. In the last couple of weeks, Ross Tokley told us that he ended up on a. Celtic supporters minibus on the way back up the road Duncan Shearer uh, told us about his, his conversation with Paul Lambert after the game and Paul Lambert said there'll be repercussions what are your unique special memories that you'll always have from that game? I suppose probably at the end when we realised what we'd done running over to supporters um, and if I think if I remember rightly I think quite a few of the boys got changed and went and done the press bit I think I went straight to the uh, players' bar and had a, <laughs> a, wee, a wee bottle of beer, and yeah, I'll just, just try to take it all in. And uh, probably didn't. No, it was really difficult for it to sink in, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, I must admit, Celtic were tremendous in terms of their hospitality. Um, obviously, we had a few beers in the uh, players' lounge, and then they obviously afforded us some uh, cases of beer back on the bus. Uh, and I think when we stopped off, I don't know, I think if it was Ochterarda, we stopped off a, a bar there, and then we uh, we watched the highlights and all that. Yeah, that was yeah, that's some some really good memories of that. Um, uh, having a few beers, and I think some of the supporters had popped in and stopped off and all that. So yeah, uh, fantastic memories. Highland Football Weekly is proud to support local charity Mikey's Line, a charity based in Inverness, covering the whole of the Highlands. Set up in 2015 after a number of suicides in the area. People struggle on a daily basis with a multitude of emotional and mental health difficulties, yet only a fraction of people are able to talk about it. And Mikey's Line are here to help. They run two services, a crisis centre with appointments and drop-ins available in Inverness City Centre, but their main service is a text-based support service, which includes SMS, text messages, Facebook Messenger, web chat and Twitter. If you're feeling like you need to talk to someone about your mental health, then do so today. Text 07786 That's 07786 they're also available online, mikeysline.co.uk. They're also on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram as well. Remember, it's okay not to be okay. 
Jocks Talking Balls is the new podcast where four football fans debate the biggest talking points in football history with some hilarious results. Diana Ross scores that penalty. There's an argument for the greatest goal of all time because she breaks the goal. She literally breaks the goal. Each week there's a different topic where the four of us have to come to a complete agreement on a final top five. Okay, let's buckle up. It's going to be a long night. Tipso's nodding. Aldi's nodding. I'd put a cross through them yet. Oh, Ross isn't happy. He's not happy. And that's where our real opinions come to the fore. They're just a, a skid mark on, on Highland football. I just hate them. They're just a shambles of a club. And when comparing the two, I just find Dundee mm-hmm. deeply unpleasant. Sit back and reminisce as the debate takes all sorts of turns. It's the craziest, the most amazing goal celebration that we'll never see. If it makes these two boys wet their knickers the way it is now, then it has to be good. The back of that stand like has an asbestos warning. I mean, come on, jeez. The Jocks Talking Balls podcast, a must-listen for all football fans. Find us on Spotify and other podcast platforms now. Yeah, that would be worth listening to. I would love to hear that. Don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter at Highland Weekly. On Instagram, it's at Highland Football Weekly. And on Facebook, it's HFW Podcast. But for now, let's get back to this week's episode. Well, I was very lucky last year to spend some time in the company of Steve Pelly Patterson, the genius behind the Super Cali side, of course. He was a legend as Cali Thistle manager, guiding the side from the third division all the way through to the first and then to this big shock. However, this shock wasn't a surprise to Pelly because he believed that his side would topple the mighty Celtic. I genuinely believed, I mean, I'm not saying I was saying, oh yeah, we can win this, but I, I was 100% confident that we could give up a really good account of ourselves and show that we're a good, you know, a really good side. And I certainly felt that, you know, I didn't go thinking, oh, we'll keep the score down or we're going to get dubbed 5 or 6 nil. I really felt, you know, what I saw of Celtic that, you know, they you know, had frailty in their defence. I thought, you know, they were kind of in transition. You know, they, obviously, John Barnes had just came in and, you know, there was a lot going on, you know, and I, I just felt that they were vulnerable. As I say, I would, you know, no way I was saying yeah. But certainly, I think my confidence in that we could do well in the game would have obviously rubbed off on the players, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think the players always knew how much I kind of, you know, believed in them and gave them basically a freedom and a, you know, their tactics were very much again which was always my kind of, uh, you know, beliefs and that football should be, you know, a spectator sport that's, that's exciting and, you know, basically about, uh, you know, entertaining fans, scoring goals, etc. So the guys are all getting a licence to, to express themselves and, and I had a lot of quality in that, you know, your mm-hmm. Paul Sheeran, Barry Wilson, Charlie Christie's, you know, just to, to name a few that, that you know, the, the, the belief, I think, was, was, was there that would do well. And, um, you know, there was obviously a, a, I think it was a recent documentary that BBC Scotland did with mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, for the 20 year kind of yep. um, anniversary. And, you know, we're, we're, you know, we look back at it, it was, you know, as I say, it was, yeah, I, you know, I still maintain that I had a bigger shock result when I took 
I took a, a, an Aberdeen side that was inferior to the Inverness Cali side that was, you know, very, very young with a few lads in making debuts almost or that, had, you know, with an injury crisis and you know, we were playing against a Celtic team that had won like 77 consecutive games or something or, sorry, unbeaten in 77 at Parkhead mm-hmm. and I took an Aberdeen side down and beat them 2-1 <laughs> that was probably I still say that in my book was the biggest shock ever in my, uh, that I achieved right yep. that's a very personal kind of thing mm-hmm. I know that the the Cali Thistle one the the, the, the sort of global kind of the, 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 the kind of earthquake kind of sort of shock waves that kind of hit the country the day after and the following week and I was you know, it's, it's still kind of obviously in the popular day, isn't it? You know, not just in Inverness, I mean, no, in Scotland, no. it's, it's arguably, you know, in days gone by, I think Berwick Rangers was seen as the biggest yep. upset in Scottish football, beating Rangers at, at Shelfield. But I think, you know, ours overtook that as being seen as the, the shock. But, you know, from, <laughs> from my personal point of view, I actually didn't see it as big a shock as how the world saw it, you know, because I came with, with had good players, winners, you know, great characters, 100% kind of no fear, you know what I mean, a lot of confidence, and yeah, well, you know, as I say, uh, that will, I think we, for myself, it'll always, I'll always be linked to that as the, the high point in my career, which you know is, is you know it's an honour to, mm-hmm. to have. Well, it's, it's a it's a it's a nice wee scalp to have got gone to Parkhead and won twice. Absolutely, <laughs> so I'm quite I'm quite pleased with that. But what I've got, you know, <laughs> any uh, any excuse to beat Celtic. Now, I wanted a few of the guys have talked about your their recollections of the game when they're in the park and what what's it like for you on the on the track on the touchline. Mainly, probably towards the you know when when Paul Sheeran scores and makes it three one, what's your emotions leading up to you know from there to the final whistle? Are you you know just you know praying that the the game ends now, or you know are you are you quite confident that you could hold it out of that stage? You're on a kind of emotional roller coaster. You're just kind of you know you are kind of just in a in a moment. I saw you know every you know. Tension, and I think that you know you're checking the watch, and it's bloody you know no passing, and yeah, you 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 have that kind of almost euphoria of what's about could happen, but you also have the despair of knowing how football can you know quickly turn, and you know the, the nearly then you know maybe losing the the losing or even drawing and. and Go and lose the replay, whatever. But it was like a kind of slow motion, you know, kind of to the to the point. I don't know what there was left. Was it 20, 15, 20 minutes? Maybe mm-hmm. we got the third goal, but it was a you know just a kind of total and unbelievable sort of period of uh, you know emotional kind of energy, kind of being just just waiting for that whistle to go, you know. I mean, it does go. It uh, it kicks off big time. Now, 
I listened to a podcast. I've never actually heard him speak about it. I listened to a podcast about two weeks ago. John Barnes was on a Celtic podcast and he was talking about his time at Celtic and he, he well, he went on to say that he wasn't he wasn't arrogant in any way and then, but he he failed to mention the Cali Thistle performance. It was all about his team and and and, and the goings on in the dressing room etc. Which I thought was quite contradictory because in one way he's saying he's not arrogant, but he never. Well, not to my knowledge, you never did mention in that podcast anyway about how good Cali Thistle were that night. Did you have any sympathy after the game? I mean, you must have come across him after the the final whistle, you know, in the, in the press room in the tunnel where we see shook hands, etc. Did you have any sympathy? Can you remember what John Barnes was like after that game? I can't really. I don't think I had any. I mean, I can remember, for example, when I when I went. To- Parkhead when Martin O'Neill was manager, Martin O'Neill took me to his office and we had a wine and that and a bit of that, you know. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he was incredibly, I very generous. I mean, I remember he clipped my ear, kind of saying, "How the hell can you come with this kind of team and beat us at Parkhead?" I am preparing the Aberdeen one, but I think John Barnes was just so consumed in the 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 you know the staggering kind of events that had happened Aye. you know in front of his eyes that I can't, I can't really remember I probably did have to shake hands at the at the end but certainly I don't recall being involved like invited back to you know generally you would managers off and off they offer their comrades up you know to come come back they win or lose you know what I mean to, yeah. the, to the, the office but I don't think I had much uh, interaction with him, to, to be honest, Ian, but I actually felt uh, sympathy, at, you know, <laughs> the poor lad, get, you know, poor lad, but getting the, getting the bullet, I think, was, was following day, was it, or two days later? Aye, aye. Uh, on the back of that, but I think, I think there had been rumblings going on, you know what I mean? I think, I think it was a case of, you know, maybe we brought everything to a head quickly, but, uh, you know, it was... Uh, it was pretty, pretty harsh on him. I think he'd, you know, he'd no longer really gone there, and you know, to to be kind of the victim of what was being seen as the biggest shock in Scottish football was, you know, too much for Celtic kind of bored to to bear. You know, when you talk about cult heroes at a football club, Ross Tokley is certainly one of them. An incredible service he gave to the club. Signed in 1996 and left the club in 2012. He was only a youngster that night in 2000 when Super Cali went ballistic. And he has fond, fond memories of beating Celtic. Well, I was playing slightly out of position because Steve kind of sort of rejigged it a bit and um, pushed me into right midfield. He went a bit more defensive on the right-hand side of the park. So Mike played fullback and I played right midfield. And um, it was sort of like a four, four, one, one. So I just remember just, just not chasing shadows all that night, but doing a lot of um, work against a guy called Veggie Blinker, and who's an unbelievable player. And it was just trying to do a defensive role in front of Mike and winning tackles, and, and you know, I really considered myself fairly fit at the time, and you know, just do my bit for the team. And as the game went on, we scored at good times, and. We actually held our own, and we were, we were playing some really good stuff, especially in the second half. Um, controlled a lot of the game and got on the ball. So again, I was I was only sort of nineteen at the time, and 
1920, I can't remember. But yeah, it was it was a great night, one that sort of took a while to sink in. Um, you know, I know the sort of day after we were out having a drink and stuff and talking about the game, but for me, it took a, a fair bit of time to realise that you know how big it was. Um, I really enjoyed the game. I, I remember Ian Wright got booked against me, sort of made a last sort of ditch tackle and to wipe me out. So, and then after that, I got taken off a few minutes to go, but. It was the game passed so quickly, um, and I really did enjoy the game. I came off and you know, all the celebrations and stuff. But when I sat in the dressing room after the game, I, I felt that it was a game I really enjoyed. And you know, of course, you're going to enjoy beating Celtic at Celtic Park. But the memories I had was just of the you know, the boys playing really well, and, and myself doing my bit on the pitch as well, just putting in a shift. It was just an absolute shift, especially the last 20 minutes where. You know, the three went up and you're expecting a, a bit of a, a hit from Celtic, but it never really came. And, um, you know, the celebrations, I went back home in a Celtic minibus that night and it was, there wasn't many beers getting drunk by the Celtic fans and I had a, <laughs> I was, I was nailing their cans of tenants all the way home. What, what, so you ended up in a, you went on the team bus? No, I went, no, I went back and I, I, my friends were dying watching from Inverness and they were all Celtic fans. They had originally came didn't watch the game on the previous Saturday so I just um, had planned to go back with them and uh, I met up with the boys the next day next morning sort of thing so it was um, yeah back on that bus <laughs> probably that must have been uh, well I, it's funny because I just you know the natural assumption is that you you know you all go back on the team bus and in fact, we spoke to Duncan Shearer a couple of weeks ago and you know he said that yeah. you know it was brilliant brilliant celebrations Barry's spoken about it but I suppose your ones were I mean I'd quite like that as well to be on a, a Celtic money bus especially if you've won you know just to uh, you know rub it even, yeah, rub it in even more you know yeah there was, there was family and friends on it um, back on that bus so it was um, that was good laugh on the way back I was pretty, pretty drunk when I got back I met the boys next I was down at the stadium in the morning and I met the boys sort of lunchtime so um, again, some of them uh, were on it sort of since the night before, so it was it was nice just to have a bit of space and then meet up with them and, and have a bit of celebrations uh, the next day. Um, I do remember that I think we played Sitmarin on the Saturday, and mm-hmm. was, uh, everybody was towing caravans on the, on the Saturday. It was it was it wasn't a very good uh, performance, but understandable um, after the the game on the Wednesday. I think, or Tuesday was it? I can't remember. But, yeah. It's, uh, good times. Well, you mentioned there your own experiences of the game. I mean, you mentioned there you're 20 years old, and you know you're mixing it with. You mentioned two guys there, Reggie Blinker and Ian Wright. You know, two internationals, but you're mixing it with them, and you're enjoying it, and you're you know you're you're enjoying that contest, which must have given you kind of appetite to, you know, mix it with, uh, as you all later on in your career, the kind of uh, the big uh, the big hitters in the top flight. Yeah, I I just loved it. Um, loved challenges, loved playing against players that probably earned a lot more than me. Um, and you know, at Cali it was Cali was our sort of team that suited me. Um, they had their own challenges, and it kind of sort of fitted in and sort of mirrored me personally. So um, you know, I, I would whether it was an international player or a, a sort of domestic player who had a good um, career, I was always one for looking. Uh, who I was going to face on the Saturday and, and do a bit of research on them and um, and play against them on a Saturday or it was midweek. So it was never one I was going in cold. I always made sure I did a bit of research if I could. And, and that's even going back to back to 
you know, when it was maybe the internet wasn't great, but mm-hmm. you know, I would I would speak to people or whatever and ask, you know, how did you play against them and this and that. So I'd ask questions and always tell you about research. Certainly in my um, in my later career, um, you know, it was sort of done for you. But um, you know, it was one I always made sure I was had a made sure who was up against a bit of research. But you know, I was um enjoyed it. I just reveled on playing against obviously better players players that you know playing for the old firm or hearts hips and stuff I just loved it another young player who was making his way in the game Richard Hastings of course Richard Hastings played for Cali Thistle in the Scottish Cup quarter final against Rangers four years earlier and got rave reviews four years on he starred for that Cali Thistle side that night however he wasn't one of the players who indulged in the post-match celebrations. He's got a very different story and he ended up in a hotel room in Glasgow that night. I'll let him tell you his own story. Yeah, I think it was, you know, we were ready to go. We were obviously down there um, on, on the, the first uh, the first day that got cancelled. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were, it was obviously frustrating because you were, you were, you were hyped up to play and then obviously we had to come back down. Um but I've kind of always been a, I've always been a believer, and even more so than after that. But being a believer that if a game doesn't kick off, or if a game's not at Saturday, Saturday at three o'clock, then anything can happen. I, I always just think that, you know, we've all grown up either watching watching games or being part of games that it's Saturday three o'clock, and I think because it's that's ingrained in you, you you're always fully at your best. Because of that's 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 what you train for, and that's what your your whole career has been. So I always believe that if there's games that are not at Saturday on Saturday at three o'clock, then they can always throw up different results than mm-hmm. expected. Um, I'll be honest, I didn't, I didn't think that it would it would end up like it did, but um, but certainly you've got to go in every game and and, and just think, well, you know, we've got nothing to lose. You know, got nothing to lose, and again, um, Steve was was had a game plan, positive. Said, right, here's what we're going to do. And I do remember being very, like, very positive. It was like we can hurt them here. We can, you know, and it, which is strange because yeah. you think, well, hang on a minute, we should be wondering how we're going to, you know, typically when you're playing against a team that strong, you'd be you'd be talking about what you'd be worried about. Um, and it was, it was. So there was that kind of, right from the get-go, it wasn't a, oh, this is going to be just sitting back and then just pray, you know. There was actually, he'd highlight things in areas where, where he believed that we could we could hurt them. Um, so I think going into it, it was just, I mean, just the stadium and, and the roar and, and everything. It just, you can't help. I mean, if you can't get motivated by that, you know. I didn't, I, I think that's the thing I always find when you go to, to, to Parkhead or or Ibrox, it's it, you can either be scared of it and be you know fearful of the noise, or you use it to your own motivation and and, and it gets you right up for it. Um, and that's why I find when I go to those places, it's just just the crowd. It's it's, it's such a it's such a, a buzz, and, and you just can't wait to get going then. Um, but obviously, when we the way the, the game panned out. You know, scoring first, and I think we were obviously didn't didn't really expect that we would be able to do that. 
when we did score, it was you know probably more belief, and then even with what Steve had said before the game, we were thinking he was maybe maybe he's right, maybe mm-hmm. there's something here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I always think that the biggest thing that we did that night was was after the equalised because that you know how many times you see you know we've like we've woken the beast and then they yep. get back on, on level terms and then they just whitewash you but but for us to then go and steady the ship and then come back again I, I just think that's the, probably the biggest thing because that doesn't often happen um, and then obviously to go on and get the third was was and, yeah, and, and I always remember just thinking like don't get me wrong I was, I was watching the clock quite a lot but um <laughs> Once we got the third, you did. You felt so confident then, you know, and and um, you know. I remember, I remember Ian Wright had come on by that stage, and he was, yep. was you know, playing against one of the, one of the greats as well. And mm-hmm. but you just felt, well, you've got that two goal lead, and and then there's even more to dig in and fight for. And as long as we at the back can can do our job and and. Uh, you know, win the ball, play the ball, and that's that was one thing I maybe maybe surprised Celtic players was that you know we weren't just getting it and then lumping it or, or, or just playing the ball up up in the, into corner. We actually were playing like Charlie Christie wanted to play, you know, and Paul Sheeran wanted to play. The boys just wanted to play, and they were capable of playing and having that that had that sort of calmness and, and, and bit of experience to just say, no, I don't care, we're playing Celtic. We're going to play the ball, we're going to play passes and we're going to show some composure and, and I think that was a, a thing that was, maybe we didn't expect that, that we were able to do that but um, that was quite a, a good thing for us as well when you're kind of, so because if, if you start lumping it they, maybe you show that you're, you're panicking and, but we did show a level of composure on the ball even when uh, like you said when, when we had it so um, but no just a, obviously an unbelievable occasion and uh, you know the, the, something that you'll they'll, they'll obviously never I'll never forget um, and the feeling when the final whistle went and obviously we all see the, the pictures afterwards yep. and we're all celebrating in front of the fans but um, no it was just an unbelievable occasion I'm not sure if you headed back up the nine with the rest of the guys, but your story might be different because you headed to America um, to take part in the uh, Gold Cup for Canada. So did you head back to Inverness or was it straight over to, to the States? Yeah, so it was, um, yeah, that was bizarre because I had to go straight to, um, basically straight to the Holiday Inn at the Glasgow airport. And okay. that was me. Um, <laughs> and I just sat, uh, you know, I was on cloud nine, but, I was just sat in sat in my room. I think I had an early flight, like six in the morning. So we just sat in the room, and, and then sports scene came on, and I watched the whole, you know, all the highlights again. It was yeah. just, and I just, it was, I could not believe what we'd just done, and you just wanted to tell everyone, but there was no one. I was just sat in my room, <laughs> um, and then obviously it was up the next day, and in the airport, and I can see people reading paper, and it was all over the paper, and but you're so proud of what you you know, what you've just been part of and yep. you kind of want to tell people that oh, I was part of that. That was me, <laughs> so, yeah, 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 absolutely, was, no, I get uh, that. Yeah, I just, I just couldn't believe it. Um, so, yeah, so I didn't really, I didn't get to celebrate at all, I was just completely on my own. 
um, I had to take a taxi from, from Parkhead straight there and, and that was it so I only know what, what you've been told uh, <laughs> as well from, from second hand or pictures or whatever um, so there's no celebration and, and like I was saying it was straight over to uh, <clears throat> to LA so now we've heard from the dugout, we've heard from the stands, we've heard from the players on the field. What about the press room? Because the press box and room after a match would have been a hive of activity for journalists scrambling to cover this incredible story of little Cali Thistle beating the mighty Celtic, but also what was about to unfold for those in green and white, of course, there was a lot of pressure on John Barnes at that precise moment. There were supporters outside, ready to protest. We've seen protests like that in the last couple of weeks at Celtic Park. So something big was happening. Paul Chalk was working for the Highland News at the time, and he tells his story of how he covered the game that night. There was a, a sense that they could compete with Celtic and there were, there were weaknesses. Uh, the last thing you want as a club is to go there and suffer, and Premiership clubs suffer this now against Celtic in particular. You, you can be hammered 4-5-6 if you're not on your game, and that's the last thing they wanted. Even though they were one, they were one division down only, uh, the, the last thing they wanted was that to happen, and they wanted it to be a bit of a contest and to, to really come out maybe even with a, a two-goal defeat and their heads held high and back up the road and, and show that Inverness were a club moving in the right direction and um, you know they didn't have to do that by going toe to toe and they took the game to Celtic and um, a few of your guests have mentioned that a guy that maybe doesn't get enough praise for his performance that night I thought was Jim Calder mm-hmm. um, who, because as poor as Celtic were they had those chances at key moments and, and uh, Jim pulled off the saves when necessary but yeah in the press box it was all um, new to me because I'd never been in that area of Celtic Park. I'd been in the away end normally as, a, as an Aberdeen fan over, over the years, but um, been in the, the press box. I was sitting next to Leah Williamson, who was covering the game for the Inverness Courier, and um, she, like me, wasn't in her usual role because I think the Courier sports editor, I think at the time, was David Beck, was um, away at that point as well for some reason. So uh, we were, um, you know, we knowing each other different from the office but there we were kind of pitched in together watching this un- unfold and it was the sense that when it went I think 2-1 you sensed that something special was about to happen. It's interesting there you mentioned about the you know yourself being a, a news journalist and also your colleague from yeah. the Courier because mm. although it's a, it's a sports fixture Cali Thistle winning the game turned into mm. a news story I'm assuming yeah. that you know, it was front as and back page coverage as well for the paper that week. Yes, absolutely, and um, everyone got got involved in it. You know, the the provost, the councillors, the politicians of all all colours uh, were were involved in it, and um, it was pretty much a, a case of uh, you, you knew straight away that it it became something more than a sporting story, and it really did show that. Uh, Football, football does uh, can pack a punch outside the, the central belt but, it, but what it does is it put Inverness as to where there's a lot of people may not even know where Inverness is they know about Loch Ness but you know <laughs> here's here's Cali Thistle showing exactly what, what they can do for an area away from the sporting arena Now it's one of my favourite places after a, a Celtic or Rangers game or, or was anyway you know covering Cali Thistle and Ross County when after the game, 
you know the drill back to the press room and you you get to witness the thoughts of both managers and you know the Celtic and Rangers managers was always interesting because there's there's more scrutiny on them and there's there's a lot of intense questioning from the the central belt journalists take us into that press room the Celtic press room that night because it's a new environment for yourself but I'd imagine there'd been a lot of uh, daggers out for for Mr Barnes what was the or what are your memories of the the press room because on one hand you've got you know uh, Pelly coming in with maybe one or two Cali Thistle players but also I'm assuming you know that you you maybe saw John Barnes post-match press conference that night yeah, that's right. It was an absolutely packed press room, and um, it's you know, Ian, it's, it's quite a big press room. It goes quite deep. You've got the photographers at the back, so they were mm-hmm. bustling away, uh, sending their images, um, which we still see and we've seen it in, in recent weeks with the, the anniversary of it. They were at the back of the room, and the place was packed with, with journalists. Um, who I think had grown by the night as this story unfolded. I believe it did because it was expected to be a, a routine win for Celtic, but uh, I think um, more hot-footed themselves along to Celtic Park for even more reaction because it isn't just that night's reaction, but it, you've got days and days of copy to get through. Um, so, yeah, there was a long wait for John Barnes to c- come through. Um, I think, I can't remember which Celtic players came through, but there were one or two through. Firstly, I was obviously waiting for Steve Patterson and Inverness reaction. Steve, I, I did remember, came into the, the press room and, um, uh, you know, I, I congratulated him and he, he walked to the, the back of the, the room and uh, was taking stock of it. But uh, he was ushered out the door by Celtic officials saying it, it wasn't quite the done thing for him to be in. Uh, you know, ahead of what was about to, to happen, John Barnes been uh, absolutely, um, you know, the question and it was pretty severe as you you, you would expect. And, uh, so Steve just casually walked out the door and waited for for his turn. He was as cool as a cucumber. Super Cali going ballistic is one of my favourite Scottish football stories. I myself was only fourteen years old, living in Edinburgh, didn't have any connections to Cali Thistle at that point, or indeed Celtic. I remember checking teletext the morning after the game and, and being quite shocked at, uh, at what unfolded the night before and indeed followed the, the kind of press coverage around the John Barnes sacking, etc. But something intrigued me that night about Cali Thistle and then as I, as I had found out, you know, six years on, I would be starting to cover them for local radio and then go on to work for them as well. So I've always felt connected to that story in, in a weird kind of way. Listen, I hope you've enjoyed the last uh, wee while or so, enjoying some highlights from those guys involved that night as well. If you've missed any of the interviews over the last uh, wee while or so, then please uh, go back and check them out. It's Highland Football Weekly, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and TuneIn Radio.